Forum hosts annual meetings since 1971. The richest and most influential names and faces gather in Davos, Switzerland. Lies in the future of our world. I hope to answer these questions for you during this series and give you the facts and knowledge in order to resist this creeping, radical globalism. When it was first published in 2016, the fourth industrial revolution made the case that technology and digitization will revolutionize everything. One of the features of this fourth industrial revolution is that it doesn't change what we are doing, but it changes us. Making the overused and often ill-used adage, this time is different. Simply put, major technology innovations are on the brink of fueling momentous change throughout the world. In the four short years since, technology progressed and moved impressively fast. AI is now all around us, from drones and voice recognition to virtual assistants and translation software. Where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So, individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned, we don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. Our mobile devices have become a permanent and integral part of our personal and professional lives, helping us on many different fronts, anticipations, our needs, listening to us and locating us, even when asked not to do so. Klaus Schwab's vision of a great reset is not one single idea, but rather a series of different resets on both macro and micro scales. One of the major areas of society that has been shifted by the COVID-19 pandemic, according to Schwab, is the way humans use and interact with technology through what is called the technological reset. Advanced technologies only previously imagined through science fiction and which have the power to enlighten or enslave humanity on levels harder to even comprehend. The frightening thing about this is that it already exists or it's in development. So it reminds us in, in our preliminary thinking about this of issues of, of ownership over what you have in your body and the ways in which our bodies um, through these, this technology will extend um, to machinery, certainly, but also extend potentially to machines that exist outside the confines of our bodies. As society becomes more immersed in technology through the Internet of Things, 
The rapid changes we are witnessing are commonly referred to as the Fourth Industrial Revolution, a term popularized by Schwab in 2015. Innovations that were designed to make our lives easier or as a means to switch off after a long day at work have slowly been transformed into a way of keeping us depressed, distracted and misinformed or worse, used as a tool to eradicate our self-identity. One of the things that I think is so essential to free and open societies is freedom of thought. Um, and up until now, the conversation we've been having is around freedom of speech. Once we can access people's thoughts and access people's emotions, um, we have to create a space that enables people to think freely, to think divergent thoughts, to think creative thoughts. And in a society where people fear having those thoughts, uh, the likelihood of being able to enjoy progress is significantly diminished. While there is no doubt that the progress of technology has created an irreversible avenue of prosperity, success in health, communication, and expression, its uses can also be gatekept by unelected individuals and organizations. It was originated here. So that was child, if I may say so. Uh, and we have many children. Uh, <laughs> now, yeah. These gatekeepers then have the ability to hinder or enhance the introduction of new technologies, controlling not only when and what is released to the public, but also where and how we consume content, including news, information, and entertainment. Uh, Prime Minister Trudeau said we penetrate the cabinets, half of this cabinet, or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet, are for our actually young global leaders of the world. As we consume increasing amounts and various sources of information online and around us, we need to continue to be attentive to source, we need to be continue to be attentive uh, to uh, comparing uh, various reports and uh, looking for trusted sources. And, and when you see those messages, remember that unless you hear it from us, um, it is not the truth. The World Economic Forum has been the catalyst for not just technological advancement, but the reformation of how this sort of technology is used in our lives through programs it runs for individuals, along with partnerships, it consolidates with businesses and nations. The WEF plays an important role in shaping the future as we know it. merger between man and machine is on our horizon, and some would even say it's already in play. But what this means for humanity is entirely unclear. In the past, humans have used technology to improve our living conditions, from creating better ways of farming, manufacturing, traveling, and communicating. Our tools have largely been external devices outside of our bodies that are used to enhance 
the human experience. I think it will go. It, it will first of all, it will definitely happen. I, I, I was talking about 6G earlier, which is around 20, 2030. I would say that by then, definitely the smartphone as we know it today will not anymore be be the usual kind of the most common interface. Wow. It's, it, many of these things will be built directly into our, our, our bodies. Now, however, through the usage of technological implants, we are on the cusp of potentially redefining what it even means to be human. Inside our own heads is the most complex arrangement of matter in the known universe. You might ask yourself, can we get to be superhumans? Elon Musk, the world's richest man and owner of numerous tech businesses, was listed in 2008 as one of the forum's young global leaders. Today, our computers, phones, applications give us superhuman capability. So as the old maxim says, like, if you can't beat him, join him. Through his many projects, Musk serves as a proponent in the development of several types of advanced technology, none more impactful on individual humans than Neuralink. The chip is designed to read and write brain activity and could potentially aid patients with neurological diseases like Alzheimer's. Musk has referred to the device as a Fitbit in your skull, claiming it will one day give people telepathic powers. Neuralink is a startup project spearheaded by Musk that is developing a cerebral implant which would effectively allow a computer to become an extension of the human brain. While the initial goal of neurotechnology is to improve the lives of those suffering from ailments like epilepsy, Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, it's easy to see how this technology could flow from limited medical use to widespread adoption by consumers. With technology like Neuralink, us humans could have the ability to operate our smartphones and computers with our minds. Ironically, Musk has warned in the past of where this type of technology could take humanity. Perhaps this is even what pushed him to try and create it first. Because if one company or small group of people manages to develop Godlike digital superchargers that could take over the world. Born in South Africa in 1971, Musk moved to Canada at the age of 17 before moving again to California in 1995, where he would start his first business alongside his brother. After launching a second company, Musk's business eventually merged with another Silicon Valley based company called. Cofinity, eventually evolving into the widely popular digital currency transfer site, PayPal. In the present day, PayPal has become a financial service provider that will de-platform individuals and companies that don't adhere to a particular narrative through a partnership with the Southern Poverty Law Center. And obviously, PayPal's current business practices are out of Musk's control. 
But where things become odd is with Musk's grandfather, Joshua Haldeman. Haldeman was a member of an organization called Technocracy Incorporated. This organization was made up of scientists who believed that all politicians and businessmen needed to be outcasted from the world, deplatformed from their place in society and replaced with engineers and other experts who would then create a technocratic utopia. Now, if North America is where we start, how should we start? There would be no more nation states, no more money and no more leaders, just the technocracy. And so in the eyes of Technocracy Incorporated, the world would be unified under a new name, Technate. Social change is due on this continent. Social change is coming whether you like it or not. Social change is coming whether you are prepared for it or not. And technocracy is the means by which you can prepare yourself so that you can decide whether you want science or chaos. At the time, Musk's grandfather was even charged under the National Defense Act because this radical group was banned from the country. Now, a technocratic one-world government isn't something Elon Musk speaks about, especially when he talks about his vision for the Earth. But on the subject of Mars, it's a different story. Trying to do good things and you're a billionaire. I mean, yeah. that seems a little bit like either superhero or supervillain. You have to choose one. Trying to do useful things. <laughs> I mean... This is an important point, because although Musk is viewed as somewhat of a hero by people on all sides of the political spectrum, it's dangerous to universally trust a person in his position of power, especially given the influence from his grandfather. Uh, well, um, my grandfather um, moved with, with all, all his kids and my mom and everyone to South Africa because he wanted to use it as a base of exploration. You fast forward to now, Musk is critical of the World Economic Forum, despite sharing an overwhelming majority of their views and visions. Because of this, we must ask ourselves, is it possible for an individual or group to radically change the world? The answer is simply yes. And Musk wields the power to do it. He could even be doing it right now as we speak. You are, not to put too fine a point on it, the richest man in the history of the world and arguably the most influential. When you say take the red pill, do you worry about sending none too bad? I take both pills. Take both pills. <laughs> okay. All right. If we accept that someone like Musk can wield this sort of influence, is it then unreasonable to believe a group with more power and more influence could be orchestrating society along the same lines of what Musk's grandfather envisioned, especially when they say it themselves? Can you imagine that in 10 years when we are sitting here, we have an implant in our uh, brains and um, I can immediately feel because you all will have implants. We are really acquiring divine powers of creation and destruction. We are really upgrading humans into gods. We are acquiring, for instance, the, the power to re-engineer life.
prescient song in the world and that's it that is the most prescient song uh in the world and if you take it from back when it was created a few years ago it would be double the most prescient song in the world 
It doesn't matter if anyone knows it or not. I mean, we know it, right? <laughs> we know that it was completely totally predictive at a time when none of that stuff was spelled out like it is now. So now the monsters are all clear. Uh, you've been living, and I have been living, in what we might call a, um, a simulated dream state anyway. You know, as controlled by media, television, frequencies, education, whatever they, whatever they would have. And that has put us into, you know, what I would call a, you know, a simulation in the sense of that, that nothing is real. The economy is not real. Uh, your health is not real. The hospitals are not real. The uh, sports and games and entertainment and, and movies and whatever else they do is not real. Um, nothing is real. And um, except for one thing, that the people um, have you know guttural instincts, have basic instincts that they want to fulfill, and they're allowed to fulfill them in the simulation. So they learn how to go get you know the rabbit or you know get the thing or get the you have the sex or get the money or what whatever the get that, get this, get that, you know, grab this, grab that. While they stay in a state of simulation and ignorance for literally their whole lives, dying, not knowing a thing about why they were here, what they are, who they are, what's in the mirror, and dying completely in vain, completely and totally a waste, literally um, trash, literal trash. Uh, it's, it's all of our fault. If you die as garbage, if you die as trash, which most people will, it's because you did not seek to understand. You weren't hurt enough. You didn't suffer enough. When you suffer, you look for answers. You look for the reason why the suffering is going on. You seek to understand when you don't understand. Only those who are lazy and stupid will sit back and take what the world has to offer. Period. And using that as a litmus test, we find that most people fail. <laughs> you know, be nice to you. Love thy neighbor. Um... Do I love my neighbor enough to give my neighbor the truth of this world? My neighbor says, I still have hopes and dreams. About what? Nothing that we see would be evidence of your hope or your dream. Nothing in your accomplishment shows that you've even... Uh, gotten close to your hopes or your dreams. And your hopes and dreams have been compromised every year since you got out of childhood. You have never achieved any of them. And if you did, it was fleeting. What makes you think now that you're going to achieve it finally, long last? The, no, 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 you be quiet. I'll tell you the answer. The answer is because they will feed you this idea. 
and you'll try again. You'll say, you know, Zeph, if I work a little harder, I had this conversation with uh, with an atheist friend recently. Interesting. He said, you know, people think if they just work a little harder, we were talking about society, about being, you know, what society is, is, you know, it's, it's uh, what George Carlin said. In fact, I got to go find that quote because I, I need that, uh, that piece of video. Uh, when he said, you know, it's a big club and you're not in it. So this technocracy, AI, it's a big club of uh, scientific dictators and you're not in it and I'm not in it. But whatever they give us for our hopes and dreams and when we spout them and parrot them back and we get a gold star for parroting back what they are implanting in us as our hopes and dreams, they laugh their asses off at what fools we are believing that that's our thought. Those are not our thoughts. Those are not our dreams. The only dream that we have, the only thing that makes sense is, you know, I guess the big question, why? Why existence? I think, therefore, I am, Descartes said, and um, okay, so I am, what does that mean? Does that mean I am a uh, a dumb retard of slave uh, of Klaus Schwab? They look at humanity and just see, you know, they see the same thing. They they don't know that they are looked at by someone like me and 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 called stupid because they 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 couldn't, you know, perish the thought. How could you you say that? I base my assessment on them, on their writings. If those are not their writings, then they need to tell me. That's not really what I meant. Well, what did you mean, Klaus? You know, the future, we, we uh, the future changes us. We, 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 we change with it. <laughs> you know, I plant more chips in my head, I become a different person. <laughs> the... We will rule the earth. We will tell you what you can eat, what you can wear, where you can go. And you will be happy or you will be removed. <laughs> okay, so that's like um, kindergarten level stupidity, right? Cartoons you used to watch when you were kids? Right? James Bond, Spectre, anything come to mind? Anyway, so this is nothing new. Now, what they mean to do now, we starve them to death. And we have more emergencies coming with climate change. We declare climate emergency, even though it's all fake. Everything is 100% fake, 100% simulation. And really, all I want to do, and Lord forgive me, is when I see someone say the words, climate change, I want to slap their face hard. I want to slap them. I want to spit on them. I want to kick them in the nuts. 
I want to uh, kidnap them and waterboard them and, and video a confession. I'd like to take the brain out of their skull and put it with, with, with wires, electrodes, and get the brain to download onto a, you know, some kind of a, a recording device and listen to the thoughts. Every time there's an original thought, it gets rewritten. Now, of course, I am not violent, so I don't do anything like that. No, I'm, I'm not a slave. I've never, I suppose I've, except for brief areas of hero worship, I have never been programmed. I've never really been hypnotized. That was one of the things when I tried to go to hypnotherapy, they couldn't do it because I couldn't be hypnotized, so there's no, no therapy available for me. Why would that be? I don't know. It just is. That's one of the reasons it's been so difficult. You can't conform exactly to this world if you're not hypnotized. You can't conform if your thought processes are anything different than what the world would have you think and have you be and have you behave and have your manners and the way you act and the way you think, the way you talk, the way you walk, where you go, what you buy, what you sell, what you eat, what you gorge at, what you should say barf out, what you consume. And all that has to be predictable. Oh, you're not conformed. Not, not, not sufficiently. The main part of conformity, uh, truth be told, is called, it's one word, it's called obedience. Obedience, that's all they're really interested in. Because they're, they have a caveman consciousness. And no amount of chips that Elon Musk could give Klaus Schwab could save him from his utter idiocy, depravity, and stupidity. Nothing except a population that applauds him. And the question becomes then, you know, you can't, yeah, you can't go slap all of them. You know, you make a better case for going on a, volunteering to go into outer space to see what's out there, you know? Oh, why, oh, why can't you see it would be superior if we could upgrade ourselves to be, as Harari says, like gods? You know, I also happen to think that the transgender programs are about considering the human body like a uh, like a like a fashion, like a like something in the closet. You put on different, uh, you know, different accessories every day, right? Right. So we're in the very early part of experimentation with genitalia. Of course, that's where they start because that's where their mind is at. That's that's their group hive mind. It's genitalia. Right? It's either that or asshole. <laughs> I think I'm close. I think about asshole all day. Um, yeah, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he enjoys that. But what do we do that we see through it? Well, they have muscle. They have... Um, you know, uh, money. They have power. 
But how could they have power if what they say doesn't make sense? Because the people, i.e. trained seals, i.e. idiots, are trained. <laughs> trained. Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon Musk is only a thousand years behind the eight ball. But he's being applauded as being out front. Why is that? Why? So with this population, I could take it over. I'm smarter than them, and that's not very hard to do. I could easily take over everything and have all humanity at my beck and call, at my whim. Because it takes intelligence. Just to, to simply have people be occupied with something. You have to create something for them to be occupied with. I remember back in the day when we were kids, it was like the hula hoop was, was popular. And everybody had to have a hula hoop. Boy, did they really get into that. A hula hoop and one of those paddles, like you'd paddle a rubber ball. It was on a little, it was like a, they, they'd staple it together with a, uh, with a rubber band and you'd paddle the ball and it would come back and a lot of times they hit you. And, you know, this is the intelligence of the children in America, hula hoops and paddle balls. And after a while, that and television, and leave it to Beaver, you know, what other choice did they have but to comply? They'd already bought the hula hoop. They'd already bought the paddle ball. They bought the, uh, the, 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 the tiki, uh, the, t- the tiki tacky, uh, Barbecue in the backyard and the martini babies. They already bought that we went to the moon. So what else is there to do but comply? So along comes COVID. And remember, this next generation are the, is the, you know, the sons and daughters of these geniuses. You know, they never saw a, they, they never saw in a, Whatever opportunity they have to bow down and uh, genuflect, of course they would do it. And then, you know, the next ones come in. And they're all too eager to put their mask on and shame. You know, there are still people out there today that put masks on to shame other people and a virtue signal. Now, where did this instinct come from? I mean, we see this in kindergarten, right? First grade? (laughs) <laughs> these are adults and you wonder you know how in the world they could have gotten that i mean i feel sorry for them how they could have you know but 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 then again remember once you're broken <laughs> oh yes remember we break everyone once you're broken then simple pleasures apply your favorite tv show your favorite radio show your favorite snack, your, 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 your most fun day, Sunday. Your favorite team is playing this weekend. The tennis match is coming up. The possible two-week vacation, if it isn't uh, COVIDed out, will be here very soon. And soon we will own no cars. 
we will be um, allowed to use them uh, if the need is there and if the social score uh, you know applies then we will have some mobility. It just depends how far you bow down. Free thinkers, dissidents will not be allowed. Uh, Free um, thought will not be allowed. Just thinking freely without being political, you know, no political thought, um, but just being free, we're not be allowed. If you were free on a on an island somewhere, and and you know out there with the islands in the Caribbean or Indonesia or someplace, you're in an island and you're living like you know Robinson Crusoe, or you're living like uh, Tarzan, or you're living you know the primitive life, whatever, off the grid, as they say, maybe in the wilderness country of America, and they hunt you down and kill you because we can't allow anyone else to see someone like you, to see that something like you exists. Because what will that be like to the others? What what on earth would they think if they saw someone who knows there's a sun in the sky, who knows there are stars above, who knows the reflection in a, in a, in a, uh, in a pool of water, who understand how to survive, What would people do if they saw something like that? Would they seek to question? And believe me, that, you know, they talk about these 200 uh, square foot little pods that people will live in in compact cities because that's, you know, then there's no transportation necessary except their transportation. And, uh, you know, so they can take your blood a lot and get your thoughts downloaded. But why would they have to have those things above ground? Why not have them underground? Why not have those living centers underground and hidden from view completely? Uh, You know, the idea, dig as deep as you can. It doesn't stop there. And what happens to Winston in the 1984 scenario? Winston wakes up and gets his brains blown out. A jackboot on the neck of humanity forever and ever is the dream of Klaus Schwab and all of them. The dream of Aldous Huxley, the dream of George Orwell, who wrote a manual of the way it will be, a manifesto, and not a work of fiction. Okay, so I'm horrified by the amount of uh, people in America that want these changes, that want to be slaves. Now, I knew it was everything everywhere all the time when I was a child. I knew it was everywhere. I knew. Because I knew from the gang stalking, right? Once you get targeted, you see groups everywhere you go. You go, how'd they know, you know? <laughs> yeah, they, oh, they love you to ask that question. Then they can really fuck with your head, you know? No, you, you, you avoid questions like that. How they know, they just do. They have an alternative, um, you know, uh, dimensional communication uh, uh, lines flowing, okay? Oh. oh, little Benz is 
Well, wherever I go, see, when I do a podcast, the reason these podcasts are sharper these days, and they are, it's because, well, one thing, my fog is cleared up. I was going through a fatigue fog thing through the COVID, and it was really tough. I'd get like a couple hours of clarity and then foggy, and now it's uh, sharp fill again, you know, which is nice. And my voice is cleared up a little bit, you know what I mean? Things are very, very, very clear. Very clear, very, very, very understandable. And my adjectives, though limited, uh, my characterization of people who comply and also the leadership is 100% accurate. And I believe that I have millions of people that agree with me <laughs> and understand. I know that Zev Zelensky, God, God rest his soul, said... Well, we need to respect our enemy, so he didn't want to put down Harari. He didn't want to, right before he died, like, you know, within, within like two or three days, he said, I, I don't want to say anything because I know, I know that he knows the, I hear stuff, right? I remember things that other people don't. So he said, I know he knows the scriptures. And, uh, you know, you know and, and God said, you know, we, we really have to respect our enemies, our enemy is fierce and should be respected, lest we be, uh, you know, arrogant and knocked off our, you know, and, and, and you know, you know, filled with pride and knocked off our horses and killed. So I think he makes a point there. But when they write foolish things, I believe that the fourth industrial revolution would, we will be changed. <laughs> when they say things like that. And then, yeah, you know, then, 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 then we have to have the, you know. And you, you will all be dead because it's the right thing to do for the earth. And we will make sure of it. And, uh, you know, it goes on like that, right? I mean, it goes on and on. And, and the, the, the role of sci-fi had been, you know, in the past to write about, um, you know, to have, uh, you know, to write about these dystopian futures as being something to be avoided by humanity if you want to retain your humanity. And others, God's prophets, would tell you that what you're bowing down to are simply, you know, it, it's simply Satan and demons uh, through witchcraft and paganism. Uh, you know, even if you say you're an atheist, you're bowing down to demons because the only way people could be this stupid would be to be demon-possessed, which would mean that if you're demon-possessed, uh, you know, like, I love how, like, one demon can, like, possess a million people. You know what I mean? So you have like one movement, right? One one thought, one hive mind. And so they need deliverance, right? That's what you say. Well, do you need deliverance? You seem to have a demon. And then that's an insult. No, no, no. We love the demon. And if they're off and they need help, they say, would you like help? Oh, no. How dare you say that to me? So filled with pride people are, right? You say they need help. I'm... 
willing to pray for you and cast that demon out. How dare you talk to me that way? I was just trying to help. I was just trying to help. Because the whole thing is going to be fought and won or lost in the field of spiritual warfare, period. That's where the fight is, not in this subjective little simulation, which is about as dumb as the gong show was. Right? Well, what's that other one with survey says? And people watch these shows. I obviously did because I have I remember them, right? So I had to watch them. And it's all part of our programming. And who programs it? The their non-human beings program the shows. Non-human beings program the screenplays. When something comes down the pike that is not the usual programming, they are programmed to attack it if it has any truth in it at all. So that's where the thing is, you know, fought and won or fought and lost. In the realm, in, in the invisible dimension, in the dimension that is more real than anything on earth and influences everything on earth ahead of time and moves everything on earth, causes earth to go this way or that or decide, you know, the people of the earth. But where all that comes from, where everything comes from, including all the ideas, come from another place, which is not of the earth and depends on one's loyalty or disloyalty to the truth. Everything other than the truth is a lie. Everything they will tell you in all of their programming and all their TV shows and all of their frequencies and everything, it will ultimately be a lie to get you. And they don't care if you don't believe. They just, if they can get you to look the other way a little bit, if they can just get you to look the other way, oh, well, you know, they were trying to be politically correct. It's okay. And then after a while, you give it a pass, you give that a pass, you give it a pass. Pretty soon, you're giving the whole program a pass, aren't you? All they have to do to take over is push the decadence, push the thoughtlessness, push the narcissism, push the things people want to do anyway, right? Right. Push the, the sin, and they win. Because when they do that, it... It, it causes um, a complete uh, compliance, acquiescence, permission, and free will consent for them to do even more of it. And then all the children fall in line and everyone falls in line because it's a new power grab. Having no idea where any of their thoughts came from, no idea what any of their hopes or dreams mean, no idea who they are or what they are, no idea why they were born, no idea what anything is anywhere that they can perceive. And they fall in line like your schools of minnows. They fall right in line every time you push the decadence. 
That's all you got to do. And then it falls into your hands. Boom. Therefore, I would make it mandatory for lewd sex acts in the classroom. Boom. Thank you. Mandatory for, uh, uh, you, you know, lawlessness. Boom. Thank you. Mandatory. All the things that you see they're doing, you go, I can't believe they're doing all that. It, it's being done for a reason to end this, uh, you know, a republic, to end it now. And they have pretty much succeeded. Thank you. Because the people keep getting guilted and shamed. <laughs> we should be more tolerant. I can't believe. The woke thing was another, you know, was another psyop by the uh, Pentagon. Very nicely done. And, you know, the children targeted. Very good. That's where you get the decade. That's where you get the Lord of the Flies aspect. Uh, the Hunger Games. That's when it becomes kind of, uh, you know, basically a totalitarian's wet dream. The thing they dream of, control and power, falls right into their hands. Look how happy Klaus Schwab is with Trudeau. Look how happy he is to have someone that compliant. To have somebody that will do his bidding so easily. Okay, so now here we are. The, the greatest thing you can do in spiritual warfare, okay, at this point, and this goes for everybody, the greatest thing we can all do right now is mock them. No, you're not going to be able to arrest them. You're not going to be able to get them on the rule of law. There is no law that applies. There, you're not going to be able to get, what, what are you going to do, you know, round up Warren Buffett? Huh? Or Bill Gates? Or, uh, that, 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 you know, what's his name, Fink of uh, BlackRock? Are you going to go round him up or round up Elon Musk? What are you going to do? Execute them? There'll just be a bunch more that spring up. They want to rule over human, but in so doing, what they want to do is cut the life force of human and become God off of human. They don't realize they want to project all of their own crap onto human as a reason for them to control human. They don't think they're doing that, but that's what they're doing. And, of course, then comes in the intervention and the... Uh, you know, tampering with the with the uh, gene code, tampering with the thought processes, the brain, tampering with everything, enforcing uh, all of these changes through invincible robots that people can't fight, making sure that human being is the most miserable thing that anyone could ever be anywhere in existence of all time. But where does this idea come from? This idea comes from when God made human in his likeness and image. That's where the other side got so angry. So they recruited these losers like Klaus Schwab, the Nazis, others, to do their bidding, to put humanity under the jack boot and not in God's likeness and image, to table God's plan. To table the, I mean, I know that there are people that go into what we could be, the potentiation of human, the, the advancement to the stars, interdimensionality. I'm not so concerned with all that because, you know, all these things I feel I've already had access to anyway. 
You know what I mean? I'm here now in this configuration, but I feel I've been through all of them already. Interdimensionality, um, co-created with God, uh, with a body, without a body, with many bodies, with different forms. And I feel like I've, you know, so this is, it's all very familiar to me, you know, and people talk about, well, we're going to go interstellar. Been there, done that, dude, you know. I'll do it again. I'm very happy to, no, no, I'm not saying no to it. I'm just saying that there's not this one thing of, you know, the sort of Arthur C. Clarke idea of this transformation, then bing, it's set. It's never set, Arthur C. Clarke. CIA, MI6, whatever. It's never set. I know. He, he likes to chase around the children, too. Yeah, well, <laughs> keep your kids away from him. It's a dog. It's so... All right, Benz. Now you're getting to stretch out. Now you're getting to stretch. You get the whole couch without me. Literally, Ben says, if you know reaffirms my belief in the Most High God. He, it's just, you know, it's almost like we knew each other, right, Ben? Do we know each other? He just put his head on my knee. you got to describe this to somebody. Have you ever seen a dog like this? He's like human, right? He's very sensitive. Anyway, he's like, you know, if you're going to go in the car or something... He's already learned to just jump in there. Before you even know what's going on, he's in the car with you. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's what he does. But, um, so I needed that after Dasha. Dasha was, God bless her, Dasha had mental problems, I think from abuse. And so when familiar people would come around that, that she knows very well, she'd start barking. And strangely, if we left, if Trish and I weren't here and they came around, and it was just Dasha and them, she wouldn't bark. She'd know them, you know. So there was some kind of weird psychological thing that we kept, never, we never, we kept trying to figure it out. But anyway, she was a, a really strong, keen, smart dog. And uh, the, when she died, she sort of looked at me like, you know, I got to die now. And she, she was a champ. She took it like a champ. She knew she was going to die, and she went and did what she had to do. No whimpering, no complaining. She just went and died. She upped and died. And uh, I learned something from that. You know, I, I mean, it, it broke my heart terribly. Yeah, really. So bad I couldn't talk about it. You know, so when when you have, like, trauma that's so bad you can't talk about it, and I have a lot of those. I've got a lot of PTSD and things like that from the from the past that uh, ah, they don't make any sense. But it's kind of like Dasha, you know, it doesn't make any sense. But they're just tri- you, just triggers, you know. And, and a lot of those have eventuated into what my daughter had were tremendous social phobias, what Francesca had. And um, I'd say that was her main thing. Was so She got to the point where... She was a shut-in, so they gave her psychotropic drugs, and then she killed herself. That's basically what happened. That's basically summing it up. She died from the drugs. Could I go back and make a case and sue, who is it, Pfizer, one of these companies? I don't know. Maybe join a class action. I don't know. I was so devastated by that. I didn't really... 
you know, because I knew she'd been suicidal on and off like me. And, and why, why would I be suicidal? Because I already know what's going on is why. And I'm not mature enough to handle it. And sometimes I'm not mature enough to put God first and realize I'm here serving him. I'm not here serving myself. So when I'm in a selfish mode serving myself, then I want to kill myself. I don't really like being here. Do you understand that? I don't really like humans that are like these like trained seals uh, 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 walking around all day. Don't really like them. I mean, they're cute and you can pat them on the head and give them an apple or something or hire them to do something, take the garbage out, whatever, and give them, you know, some money. You know, uh, 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 you know they'll be happy. But that's the, you know, being surrounded with that sort of thing, if you don't have God, what what... What would you do? You'd you'd be thinking of, you know, maybe you shouldn't have been born here. Maybe you should be out of here. You know, I've never been one to, you know, get mad at other people and then like, you know, you, you know, go attack them because I realized it was everything everywhere all the time when I was a child. In other words, it was the world. Something wrong with the world. <laughs> well, we better comply then so we can have a nice life. Pretty nice. You having fun now? Left, you having fun when you're at the 50-yard line and it looks like our team's going to win. <laughs> you having some beers and a little popcorn? That's good. Yeah. Life's good, right? Uh, you got any... Uh, any drugs on you, man? I mean, I need something. I just sat in a stadium full of humans. You know? And they were high-fiving each other. <laughs> they were, what, what game are we playing here? Baseball! They were high-fiving each other, and they were all, uh, they were all into it. They, uh, they put up the, uh, the national anthem, and then uh, Joe Biden came out. And they all booed. They said, let's go, Brandon. And then they uh, they took their masks off and wiped their asses with it and threw it down onto uh, home plate. And then everybody was so disgusted they couldn't go on with the game. But no, no, oh, God. If something like that happened, I'd be the first one applauding it. But no, it's very, very difficult if you're, you know, the only joy that I really have in this life is that I discovered not just that God exists, but that he and I are like one, like the, like his thoughts, his dreams, his, you know, aligning with that is my joy, you know, because I'm here to help wake people up, not here to judge people. Like you're asleep, stupid. I do that. That's a, I'm sorry. I, I repent. I'm, I really am trying to work on that. Or I see somebody's face on, oh, 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 come on, guys. How many times have you seen somebody's face, like either a politician or somebody, you know, on, on, on the screen you're watching, and you go, I just like to, you know, just take that guy out. You know, how many times? You know, wouldn't bother me if they all got COVID and died right now. Right. And that kind of thinking leads to sorrow. You know it. So then you repent, Lord, I'm sorry. I've, you're the judge. I'm not the judge. 
you're the judge, but I, I can make adjectives, right? I can make an observance that they began in t- with intelligence that you gave them, Lord, and then they traded through their free will intelligence for compliance because they wanted things. They had desires. May I put it that way, Lord? Yes. As long as you're not judging. I'm trying not to judge. What about you? You want me to show you? you? No, no, no. I've, I've had enough self-hatred for the day. Please don't show me anything I've done. Or especially not done. But yeah, now from a very early age, I was... Uh, the, I think where I got in trouble, you know, back, you know, in high school and before I entered high school, really, I think where I got in trouble um, in childhood was the seeing through stuff and then putting it on my wall. In other words, I'd have collages I would make, you know, that would take up the whole wall in my room. And I think my parents realized that, you know, they they all thought I was some sort of, you know, I guess like a, a hippie radical or something. And, um, you know, that's not what they were. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I think that was it because back then in the 60s, there was a real awakening with LSD. And, um, you know, and I, you know, took a lot of acid and did a lot of things like that because I wanted to see more. Uh, but like everybody else, I didn't get too far with that. You know, it's not a very good drug. And, um, right, it'll take you part of the way, and it'll just show you enough to know that, it'll show you enough to, to know that you don't know. That's what acid will do. It'll show you there's this huge thing out there, and you're not invited. Right? <laughs> it'll show you there's heavenly places out there, and you're not allowed. Not you. So I went through like a terrible attack by the by the the, the 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 you know. So the backlash of my nonconformity was every gang stalker. I was just open open season to take me out, and you know, and that that led to a you know an awful lot of a torture, which then created you know social phobia, all those kind of things, those phobias were created from all that. I don't know how my daughter got all those. You know, but uh, been many a day I've sat outside a supermarket or even a concert where I had tickets and I couldn't go in. I just, something blocked. I said, there must be some spirit blocking. There's something, you know, or a doctor's office or a, it's been a whole life of well, things like that, of getting you know scheduled to go here and then going somewhere else and saying I would show up here and then showing up somewhere else or not at all. And uh, that still goes on today. No change. No change. I'm just not complaining about it all the time. I'm just kind of like, you know, in, in the situation. But there is no change because it's uh, all part of my development, all part of my... It's kind of like a, uh, you know, if my arm got injured and it's still injured, I wouldn't expect to throw a 90-mile-an-hour fastball if my arm was injured, right? I'm I'm not going to, Lord, please heal my arm so I can throw a 90-mile-an-hour fastball and overcome all my problems. Not going to happen. 
Not going to throw a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. Not going to throw anything with that arm. All right? So there's no point in lamenting it. You got to work around it, work with it. And if you can't show up, you can't show up. I did this with, with, you know, I've gone to some funerals and I did the same thing with my mother's funeral. I, I just could not go there. And I didn't, <laughs> there's other reasons too, you know, that had to do with, um, you know, bodily harm, murder, things like that. But other than that, I you know, really just couldn't, it was just like, um, you know, no, no, I'll be there. I arranged the whole thing. And then I didn't show up. They all show, they got, a couple of them got mad. But they don't understand. I don't grieve the way they grieve. I don't go to funerals necessarily. And if I do go, I show up, uh, you know, without saying anything to anyone. Or I arrange the funeral for my own mother and then I just don't show up. You know, I mean, it's, I'm watch, look, I watch, I watch myself do these things. Because I have no idea when it's going to happen. When I'm setting it up, I'm out at Forest Lawn and I'm filling out the form and I'm doing all this stuff. And I fully expect to be there. I fully expect to come talking to the funeral director. I'm, and then I just phone it in. Why? Scared? Yeah, but not in intellectually. You know, right? I could have hired a bodyguard. But it's not that kind of fear. It's like, is it a fear? It's something deeper down that it's hard to exactly, you know, put your finger on. But this has happened a lot. It's happened with uh, being in crowds or being in places like, you know, conventions or, you know, even film festivals. I don't think anyone realizes there's a big lift for me to get over just you know, showing up there. You know, you think, well, wouldn't you want to be there? Well, I'd like to be there, but I've, it takes every effort I can make, possibly make to get there. And many times I'm not, but I tell people, please don't be offended. I'll be there next time. Or maybe I won't. I don't know. You see, it's, it's like... Um, it's not meant to slight anything. I always make my best effort, but, you know, I, I have, you know, c call it a handicap. I could say I'm going to come to your party tomorrow and you have a, oh, that sounds great. I can't wait. And then it doesn't happen for some reason. And then I can't explain to you why. It just seems like I'm a rude asshole. But I, I, I'm not trying to be. That's not really what's going on. There have been times I pulled right up to the entrance and then I... Somehow I just couldn't go through with it. I don't know what there was going to be. Nothing but friendly faces, all well-wishers. And I would be a well-wisher. Everybody would be happy. There's no problem. There's no obstacle to overcome. So I don't understand. And then when I try to explain it to my friends, you know, I think some of them think I'm just being a little selfish or being, and I'm not being. I'm not at all. I, I had every intention of being there. You know, I, I had to overcome a lot to get there, and I, and I would, but I mean, then there may be just that ultimate block where, 
I'm about to get out of the car, and then all of a sudden I'm just shut in. It almost feels like it's against my will. And um, when I look back on my life on all those things, there's been many instances where there was danger, and I didn't know it. And that car door just wouldn't open. And that's why I'm alive today. You see, nobody understands. Nobody understands me. And nobody understands you. And nobody understands other people. You know what I mean? They, and they don't understand themselves either. You know, so we live in a world of ignorance where you can bumble around like that and get away with it, you know, most of the time. <laughs> Well, with Francesca, I was concerned. I mean, she got to the point where she couldn't go to a restaurant to dine with her friends. I've been there many times in that in that exact thing. Yeah, these are social phobias, and they are not to be trifled with. They're very dangerous, and they're very, very strong. And they, you know, they, 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 I, I could go through, I'd take, I could probably write five books on this subject of how they develop and how they grow through time. And how you're not aware that they're there. And then suddenly they kick in. And then that's the end of that, right? The relationship, the, you know, the party, the funeral, the wedding. There have been a lot of weddings like that. And then there have been some I won't, I've gone to. There's no real pattern. You know, not exactly. And then there's this thing about, you know, prescience you know, clairvoyance, things like that, that can also be a part of it as well. Like, you know, how dogs can sense danger. Anyway, I've, uh, I felt guilty my whole life about everything and felt like I was a bad person and the world told me I was a bad person and everyone said, you're a bad person. And so I just said, I accepted that I was just a bad person and I just shouldn't have been born, I shouldn't exist, and I shouldn't anything, and shouldn't this or shouldn't that, you know, just, you know, I'm here to, uh, what did one person do? One person in the joint in the loony bin, when I had this Steely Dan record, and the Steely Dan record, there's a song, famous song of Steely Dan called Bodhisattva, which I, I particularly liked. And the the guy, you know, there was, there was I don't know if he was my roommate, I, he was like, I'd be playing it in the confines of my room, and he would interpret it to be instead of Bodhisattva, they'd say Bodhisattva and over and over, and he would say, Would he suffer? Talking about, Would he suffer? I said, It doesn't say that. Where are you getting that? I know that's terrible. But this was a guy who was totally hooked up with the world. He went on back to his family, I think in Michigan, to run a beer company from his family or something and you know perfect right beer and um he had no problems i don't even know why he was he was there because he might kill himself or something I, I you know it's it's bullshit he's just there like as a policeman wanting to get into my room and, and tell me the lyrics say something very uh you know to tease me to make me feel like you know he's looking at me saying you know you're here to suffer you suffer. You are here to suffer. And I'm like, well, where are you, where are you getting that? 
Did someone tell you to say that to me? And, and the lyrics don't said, I had seen Steely Dan and, uh, at the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium in the, I guess around 1971 or something, and I, I was all paranoid. And I almost, I was so paranoid, it was unbelievable. And then there's this guy with this like little, you know, sort of Latin, I forget what it's called exactly, it makes that sound. And I, and honestly, I felt that he was putting some kind of voodoo spell on me, you know, from the band, from Steely Dan, one of the Steely Dan, or it was either Doobie Brothers or Steely Dan or one of those, you know what I mean? They're all, all those musicians all work together, you know, in these various bands. And, um, so I, I was ready to have a confrontation and I had to get out of there (laughs) and I never want to go to another concert again, especially not another Steely Dan concert. What, he was like a Latin percussionist. I don't know what exactly, but he had this weird smile, like a demonic smile. He was looking right at me with this big grin, like, you know, like a big clown grin. <laughs> Safa. And then when they played that song, the guy got out in front, you know, the, the what's his name? Fagan, the, uh, the leader, I guess, of the, of the duo. It's a, Steely Dan was a duo from college that uh, made it big. And um, he got out in front of the band, and at that point they had two drummers and a whole bunch of musicians on stage, and he started leading it like an orchestra. And I thought that was really odd, since they were just saying Bodhisattva over and over and over again. Why would, why would, what is the point of that, (laughs) of being like the conductor? So... You know, needless to say, things like that ruined my evening. And I was with somebody, a woman that that brought me there, who was not not a girlfriend, you know what I mean, just like a friend. And then at the end of the night, she goes, I've never been as mistreated as you you mistreated me. You abused me. I was accused of abusing her. And, uh, And I'm like, when? What did I do? You mean because I was paranoid of this guy on the, you know, well, he shouldn't have been like, you know, snorting coke and, and you know, taking speed and, you know, all this other shit or, or lacking sleep. And maybe that wouldn't have happened. You know, it's not my fault, but I do apologize. I'm very sorry if you felt mistreated. I guess I verbally abused her because I felt they were abusing me. So I was like, you know, can't you see what's going on here? And she's trying to... <laughs> I know. Gosh, I would love to film that scene. Oh, man, would that be good. I would love a character that's kind of based on my complete insanity. <laughs> you know, I just get into these situations, you know what I mean, and exploit them dramatically because there'd be a lot of meat on the bones on that, let me tell you. Let me tell you that they said there'll be a lot of meat on the bones, what's, what's called drama. And what is drama, boys and girls? Drama is conflict. If something doesn't have drama, it means there needs to be more conflict or more you know, examples of the conflict in order to make the audience engage. There's not enough drama. Well, then we need to add some. I don't know. 
everything seems simple to me in a sense. And I, I, I struggle with wanting people to understand or, or thinking they understand more than they do. And then becoming disappointed uh, that it's so difficult to communicate. And then I realize, well, the fault is mine because I shouldn't have assumed that anyone knows anything about anything. You know, that you need to have some patience and explain things. But, you know, and then... Um, so you try, you know, you, 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 so you live as an isolated being in the world because wherever you go, there's a conflict. Why is that? Because you're not entrained on the frequencies that they're putting us in, in a simulation. And then if you're not aligned with God at that moment, then you can be completely derailed. Off your hinges. Nuts. Crazy. So you align with the Most High God, which is the truth. Jesus Christ, the truth, the life, the way. And then you realize, oh, I'm in the truth. I'm here. I'm not here for me. This is not going to work out for me personally. I'm here for, for God. That's what I'm doing here. It's okay. I, I figured it out. They're never going to accept me. And they would never understand me. And I don't even understand myself that well. So what's the other purpose? Oh, okay, so that's not the purpose. The purpose is that, you know, God, if you can use me, I'd love to be used by you to go where you want me and say what you want me to say. I guess today is just confessing. Um, they're not, I wouldn't even say shortcomings. I'd say confessing. Uh, you know, interesting tidbits about myself. You know, I mean, things that are there in the architecture. Things that are there that God intended me to have and be like. Things that God himself created. Not circumstances, not traumas necessarily, not evil people, not would he suffer, not any of that stuff. But that God created, perhaps even using these other people, these incidents, these gang-stalking things, these awful things that happened, using those things to shape me into the being he needed to use me. And what does he use me for? Well, he uses me to stop people from suicide, number one. That's one thing. Not my daughter, but then that's one of those ironies, isn't it? Isn't irony the way that, uh, that isn't that one of God's things, irony? Um, but, right, because God knows... <laughs> Writers who are trying to get irony have a hell of a time trying to create it. <laughs> and when they do, oh my God, genius, right? But anyway, so, so here's the thing, you know, so God can use anyone. And I thought, well, what good is it going to be I'm around a bunch of crazy people because I understand them, they understand me, people that are probably not going to make much of a, a mark on the world and it's like, okay, well, then minister to them. What do you mean? Just say what, you, what I put in your mind to say. To tell them. All right. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. 
And what does that mean? Well, to explain what that means would take five volumes of books. To even try to explain it would be a failure. You'd have to, the only way you can understand that statement is in your heart. What does it mean to, to come through Jesus in order to get to God? Um, that sounds like process, and process sounds like uh, linear time, and linear time is not what God is all about. So what does that mean? Well, let's reverse engineer it, shall we? It means that if you're with God, whether you know it or not even, you came through the sun because that's the only way you can get to the Lord, you know, to the, to the truth, that is. But it's the same thing as coming to truth. How did you learn the truth? The only way you can learn truth is through Jesus because Jesus is the only truth. I mean, it's, it's, it's literal truth, but that's a word for truth. So I learned the truth, Jesus, and I didn't call it Jesus, but I called it the truth that God is the creator and the orchestrator and the and the sustainer and the you know the 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 judge and the world you know judge God is the world and how did you find that out um because that's the truth and then later I learned that the truth is literally Jesus so I went through the truth to the most high God or through Jesus to the Most High God. But I, of course, always say the name Jesus because that name is the, the, the uh, is sacred, it's the holy name. Well, what about Yahusha? Well, what about Yeshua? Well, it doesn't really matter, you know? I mean, when I say Jesus, my heart is saying, you know, what God wants me to say. So is it is it... Does does man approve of that word Jesus? No. A lot of people are divided. But I don't care what they think because that's you know my way of you know communicating with the Father, and that's what I need to do. So that's what works. You know, other people their mileage may vary. I don't feel like going and arguing it. <laughs> saying, you can't use the word Yeshua because that would be against the uh, blah blah vvv you know or whatever it is. So, but it doesn't matter anyway, because I'll never be in a collective, like, you know, a church setting, you know, I'll always be, uh, you know, the seer. That's my, like, secret identity, the seer, right? Like the watchman, you know, you, you report what you see. I have insights into things that God gives me, and then I repeat them to you. You do what you want with them. I mean, no, no, one, no, one, no one's here to try to be like Klaus Schwab and bludgeon your head and beat them into you. <laughs> then we will see what sides you're on. No, I believe that uh, God's love is free and that free expression is actually an act of God's love. And to the extent that those of us are able to, to have free expression, you know, that we are really... Um, you know, an example of God's gift to humanity, i.e., what is it? I am free because of Christ. And what's my joy? At the end of the world, at the end of, at the end of the day, no matter what happened in life, no matter what they did, right? 
my joy is Christ, just like you, or you, or you, or you. So we have this in common. Isn't this wonderful? It's like, you know, it's almost like um, they could beat me, they could whip me, they could, they could, they could just uh, beat me down to nothing. They could totally mistreat me. They could, they, you false witness against me, slander me for no reason. They just want to. And uh, they could do all this stuff, but at the end of the day, my joy is Jesus. My my joy, my 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 uh, my place in the Lord is amplified by their hatred. And why do they hate you? Well, why do they why do they love Barabbas and hate Jesus? Jesus' people love Jesus, though, right? We love the Lord, right? Because why? Because He's with us. In the dark of night where it looks like they're all taking over and, you know, they're going to kill us with COVID and nothing's good and the whole thing is going off the cliff. And then we say, Lord, please, you know, just like a child beseeching the Lord. And, you know, in the the end of the day, the, the great equalizer is Jesus because we are all equal in Christ. I mean, I can blather on and blather on, you know, you know, intellectually if I want and claim to be superior to Klaus Schwab and all that in terms of intellect. I can do that, but you know what? At the end of the day, that's nothing. The only real thing is Jesus. Now, will God use that for me to mock uh, Schwab? Well, if Schwab is mockable, then, then maybe God will use me to mock Schwab because God likes that. He enjoys the, the, you know, the mocking the devil. That is the devil, right? Right, Schwab is like an embodiment of Satan on earth, right? Is that the best you got, Satan? Seriously? Man. It's almost like Ted Turner, another dumbass, you know? Oh, he knows how to make money and build Georgia Guidestones and things like that. But I mean, own a baseball team, create CNN. Well, those are all nice worldly endeavors. But what does he know, really? Uh, too many people on this earth. The people are calling. You know what he said? Well, just let me quote. Let me just back my statement up. Here's Ted Turner. There's too many people on the on the earth. They're causing global warming. Okay, Your Honor, I rest my case. I mean, you want more? I'm gonna get more quotes if you like. Is that an intelligent man? Who would say there are too many people on the earth? That's what causes global warming. And he believes it. No, no, he's not. He believes. He believes it. He believes it, and he wants. Um, you know what they really want is they want a hundred percent of the people dead. Let's never ever think they want to reduce it by twenty percent or something. Idiot thing like Gates said, it's a hundred percent. The transition is to transition. To the singularity, to with you know, to fuse with machines, the biodigital net nexus point, which was stated in Girl Next, totally prophetic, way ahead of its time. And who noticed it? Hardly any money. No one. <laughs> but one day they will. Usually that day comes when it's too late, but one day they will that they had plenty of warning. We were out there, how long have we been warning about stuff like this? And how about some of the, you know, sci-fi writers who do, you know, trying to trying to warn us of these things and, and of these kind of worlds that would come if we didn't, you know, curb our desires. 
What desire? Um, <laughs> Mel Gibson did a movie, a brilliant, brilliant film. He never really got a lot of credit for, called Apocalypto. I mean, he just laid it out for us, didn't he, Trish? He laid it out for us. Apocalypto just basically shows the beginning, middle, and end, mainly the end, of a very advanced culture. And, um, you, you know, uh, 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 you know it, uh, he shows precisely how decadence is pushed to end up you know, causing the fall. And it shows a direct relationship between decadence and the fall. It's it's brilliant. It's it's concise. It's extremely well directed and acted, and all that, all the you know things you like in Hollywood movies. And um, I don't know what more I would I would make it a, if I had a class that I was teaching. That would be one of the required viewing. You would you would have to watch Apocalypto and you know have a discussion about well why do you think the civilization of the Maya or the Aztecs. Why did that fall? Why did that fall? And where did they go? <laughs> where they went, they just went and intermarried and whatever. They were like, you know, they just uh, blended with, well, you know, the Spaniards and whoever else was there. Anyway, bottom line is the Roman Empire fell. Um, you know, for all intents and purposes, the... Uh, the monarchy of France fell, but a lot of that was also due to decadence. We in America are decadent, and they are pushing the final aspect, the pedophilia, the, the, the child sex trafficking, the pornography, as the final nail in the coffin, because that will guarantee the fall. Because in, throughout history, that has always been the mark of the fall, not liberation, not gay rights, not any of that. It's got nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with them wanting to push the fall so they can come in and take over and also confiscate the property, which they will get for pennies on the dollar, and then they will own it and drive it up and have the resources, and they will dole them out to people who behave while they experiment on you. They need to experiment. Here, here's another hole, hole in, the, in, their, in their plan just to show you something that nobody else is covering. They have not developed their systems yet. They have not developed their system. There is no system to transition to, Joe Biden. It's not in place yet. Hey, look, I'm looking out there. I see a police car way out there. No, it's an alien. No, it's, a, it's just red lights. Why do I see red lights out there? That's, see, that's so weird. Is there like a speed trap over there? Huh? Strange. Now the lights are off. Now it's like they... I've been seeing them. See that red light over there? Well, that's the highway right there. You know, that's over that goes down toward uh, Madrid... Well, anyway, I've been seeing it throughout the morning, you know, on and off. It's good to be here. We will be here tomorrow for prayer. Just remember this, you know, you're not alone.
<laughs> right? And remember the other thing. You're not too weird for any of us. Obviously. And we're all pretty much family in Christ. I mean, that this is it. This is the church. This is who God is using to be the church. <laughs> and... um so it really doesn't matter what our lives were before we got to this point. You know, it really doesn't matter what they did to us. But if some of those things did cripple us, uh, God gives us a workaround. The crippling is still there. The leg still doesn't work. But you're all right. You're filled with joy because Christ is our joy. And that's just the only way we can look at it because there's you can get really bothered by everything. Age, medicine, money. Um, corruption. This, I mean, there's just a million reasons to get mad. But when we put our eyes, we fix our eyes on Jesus, then what happens? We no longer get mad because we understand it's his bat, his ball, his creation. Why am I here? Okay, because God wanted me here, period. That's a good answer. You know, I say, well, what is your purpose? My purpose is to align myself with God, Most High God, and just do my best every day and keep putting him first because it's not about me. There is no... Okay, let me tell you. I have no purpose on earth that's my own purpose. But God's purpose for me, I do have that. And that really is much better because you know why? God's purpose is like a multi fasted, manifold purpose of all kinds of things to happen, you know, throughout the day. Here's our prayer for today. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace we are saved. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. Now, I don't know how much more I can put it than that. Because that is, um, you know, the real bottom line is God saved us. We had free will to reject him, but we didn't because, you know, the world beat most of us up. So it was, you know, so it was like when he chose us, we go, yeah, you know, I'm with you. And um, when people don't understand, it's it's okay. Because I can see God protecting us too. Like when we're around the heathen, or we can call them the, the, the worlders, whatever. Um, a lot of attacks could happen there. A lot of traumas could happen there. You know what I mean? When you get, especially with their hive mind tactics. Um, but I've noticed how God will intervene and just protect us in situations like that. You know, just just over and over again, you know. And uh, it's amazing. Um, one day the people of the world are going to realize that they've been duped and they've been had. That they're slaves, they've been sold a bill of goods, and some of them are going to want to be free. And they will find out that the only freedom we have here is in Christ. But that's so much more than what we thought freedom was. That's so much bigger than any freedom we would have thought for ourselves. That's so much more profound than anything we could have ever thought. And um, so I'm, I'm pretty happy, you know, with, you know, despite age, limitations, the tremendous amount of hatred that's out there today in the world. 
but I'm, you know, God just kind of steers me around it. I'm just not, you know, give it mine because I've seen this world change. Let me make another prediction here. I keep making this every day. <laughs> and I'll do it again. Sorry. It's not that detailed. They lose. Klaus Schwab, Harari, those guys, they lose. You will see the biggest fall be them. They lose, all of them. The whole group. Their little scientific dictatorship. You know, and they're also in concert with, you know, what I call society. It's a big club and you ain't in it, you know, said George Carlin. Um, you know, that society feels like it's going to have the fields of Elysium. This is an old idea. Fritz Lang had this idea in 1927. Please stop. You know, don't, don't, don't bore us with this. Uh, so they're going to make their try. They don't have their, they don't have systems in place to transition to. Do you understand that? And so therefore they lose based on fact. If they can't transition anyone to anything, what's going to happen? The people will all awaken. Many of them will realize that they've been missing, you know, that they need that spirit life is the life and that the flesh is, a, you know, an extension of the spiritual life. They're going to realize that they can't really live on as a robot and they need the Lord. Not everybody. There are many people that want to be taken care of by Klaus Schwab who want to be, you know, considered scum and stupid and, and, and dirt and garbage, who don't mind that as long as they get a couple of scraps. There are people like that. They were in high school, remember? They were the bullies, the gang stalkers. Remember, they were at the cool kids' table running everything. Remember? And now look at them. Begging. Willing to do anything. Falling. So low that they would have... No self-respect, no, no dignity. Because you see, when they were young, they rejected God and went with Satan in order to be the cool kid at the table, you know, to, to be the rebels. And like I said a million times, the devil horns are not rebels. They're, they're, they're signs of conformity. If you want to rebel, use the middle finger and put it in Klaus Schwab's face. Do that. But all the devil horns that get you is to get a guy like Klaus Schwab to sort of laugh at you as a pathetic fool. Yeah, this one will, this one will be very nice and compliant. He's, he'll do whatever we say he do. <laughs> you know. Right? Okay. Come on, everybody. I need, I need people to get with it. God bless you each and every one. We love you. We're praying for you tomorrow. A big prayer. We're going to, every time we got together to pray, you guys, we've seen the ball move every month since this COVID thing came in. Did you think we'd be here today? We're in a good position compared to where we were, believe me. It's only going to get better, too. They try to silence, like, Alex Jones and people like that, thinking they're the source. 
It's it's not a, a radio show that's doing it. God is speaking. Yeah. Absorbed by God. You just reflect God wherever you go. You're not here in the card store. You're not here at your employment. You're not here behind the counter. You're not here as the Walmart greeter. You're not here going up and down the aisles. You're not here, you're not here, you're not here, you're not here, you're not here. You're not here, you're not here, you're not here, you're not here. You're not here, you're not here, you're not here. You're not born here. You were not born here. You were not born here. You were born again. And the last thing I want to say is thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done. For showing us the way out of all of our traumas. It doesn't matter what they did. If you're living, breathing, you can move around a little bit. Put your eyes on God. There is no more joy than, you know, the only better joy I would say would be getting together and singing hallelujah, right? Oh, that'll happen. Meanwhile, there is no separation between us. What a strange piece of music this is, huh? I did this 15 years ago. (laughs) 15 years ago, guys. I mean, it's a little messy, but it's weird, huh? Yeah, I'm getting ready to revamp the studio and go back in there and hide out in there. I've got one song I want to produce right now. i got to get the right people to do it. It's not quantity. Quality. So maybe this will awaken some of you. You know, just get a a beat going. Recite some poetry over it. <laughs> 
You can see that all these beats are all dependent upon percussion, right? On drums. Drums and percussion, that's the whole thing. Everything falls in line with that. This seems like, like a, to me, like a chorus of skeletons that are playing brass, like, like skeletons with no flesh, sitting there in the dark stage, and, and they're, they're playing these horns, you know, coming from the shadows. Let's find a way out of this mess, huh? The reason it's so eerie and sad, though, is because it's all the, you know, minor chords and, you know, and minor uh, living in that world of the black keys, the three chords from hell. But sometimes, you know, when I look at the world, this is exactly what I see. This, this, this tune here, these kind of chords, this kind of thing, is what I feel the world is like. Like if I see a golf tournament, I get sad and depressed and I want to throw up. If I see even a football game, I get sad and depressed and want to throw up. If I see the space shuttle launch, I will get sad and depressed, or whatever, a rocket go off. I get, I won't, same thing. It just doesn't even matter what it is. Well, I'm glad you can relate.
gone back to sleep. Yeah, he's getting asleep. And we're not. 